today with um, special thanks, first of all, to Jack and Barbara Siegel, who are sponsoring Lila Nishmas, Jack's mother's yard site, Chana Rachel Bas Moshe. For Ezra Sashem, our limud should be a continued alias neshama for her. Thank you for always being involved in the shir in so many ways. It is also, um, Baruch Hashem, wonderful, wonder, uh, wonderful news. We are um, we, uh, Mr. Mail, Mr. Nissa Mail, who was here just a second ago. Mr. Mail is, uh, is sponsoring today's shir on three occasions. Number one is Ayelet's engagement, which Beshatov and Hashem. And Ayelet comes to, uh, to, the, to the shir many, many times, not the Sunday, but, but um, is, uh, it's a very special occasion. Also, for the bat mitzvah of his and Estelle's great granddaughter, which is today, and for Nissan and Estelle's 68th wedding anniversary. God, God willing, we should have many, many more in Gesund. And on that note as well, there is an anonymous sponsor who's sponsoring for Phil and Mira's 45th wedding anniversary. Where's, where, where is oh, Phil, Phil and Mira's 45th wedding anniversary, God willing, Emetz Hashem, the two of you should watch the children and the grandchildren and the family continue to expand for many years together in Gesund. One of those anonymous sponsors. <laughs> so, f- folks, we're, we're, at, we're at the beginning of Edel. We're carrying on in the series of Meeting of the Minds. We're, we're getting a chance to meet through the introductions of the of very seminal Svarim throughout the ageal ages, trying to meet some of the most we'll call it watershed moments in Jewish history in, ter- in terms of Torah thinking. And today we're going to be learning about, um, in, the, in the, the tone of Elul, r- the Ramchal's introduction to Mesilas Yesharim. The Ramchal, the word Ramchal actually is an acronym for Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato. Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato, that's the, that is the, um, what he's commonly known by. We need to appreciate the, the magnitude of this contribution. His contribution in general, but specifically this contribution of Misilas Yesharim, the, the path of the just, as it is often translated. Also, just want to take a quick side note, and this is to which it says, Shalom to my mother, who's been here for a good amount of time, and this is, the last, this is the last week for this period of time we have to share with my sister in South Africa. So it's been a very special ple- pleasure to be able to give the nachas on the home front as well. Um, let's, let's continue, let's continue in, in our learning. There's a few interesting things I'd like to say uh, to, to point out about the, the Ramchal. Just by a show of hands, just not, not to point anybody else. But who has the opportunity of ever learning Mr. Asusharim? Okay, so so if we have if we have yet, great. If we haven't, let's let's make sure too. This is going to be really a teaser in the sense that we, it's very hard just to learn this introduction because there's so much more that is that is here. And for those who have already learned it, as we're going to see by his uh, introduction. He requires us to learn it many times. And in fact, when I was in Yeshiva, I remember there was a fellow who was making his 100th siyam of Mesir HaSasharim. The, the more you do it, the more it, uh, the more it has its imprint. We'll see why in just a second. Just to give a little bit of background to Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzati, who is one of the most enigmatic and um, we'll, we'll call it unique characters in Jewish history. Um, he lived, as you can see, in the year 1707 to the year 1746. Um, this is a very important historical time for many reasons. First of all, just to put this in historical context, we're following a very serious tragedy in Jewish history in the 1600s. Anybody familiar? What, what was that? We'll call it philosophical. So we had, we had, we had, a, we had a, two major things going on. One was the Chilmaniski massacres. The other one was the Shabtai Tzi revolution and failed revolution. That was, that was really culminating in the year 1666. And the, follow- and the aftermath of that was, a, was pretty terrible. And one of the reasons why it's important to realize this 
is one of the tools <coughs> that, that Shabtai Tzvi used was the deep study of Kabbalah, was the esoteric teachings in Judaism, and he used that to marshal followers to his call, to his rallying call. And the, the reason why that's important to know is that therefore that meant to say that there was reverberations afterwards in such a way that anybody who started studying the deepest side of Judaism, started teaching Kabbalistic teachings of Judaism, were ostracized and seen as a threat, which is why people like Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato was seen as a threat, which is why people who, let's say, the Baal Shem Tov and the followers of the Hasidic movement around the, uh, towards the end of the, the, same, the same century as well, were also seen as threats because the same way that Shabtai Tzvi used Kabbalistic teachings, this, they were also seen to be falling into the same boat. And unfortunately, the baby was thrown out with the bathwater. So that's an important point in terms of historical context. He was a, 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 a tremendous genius. Um, and um, actually, if you have ever a chance, Rav Aryeh Kaplan, this is so fitting, Rav Aryeh Kaplan was the one who translated one of his other books called Derech Hashem, The Way of Hashem, if anyone has a chance to read that, that's just a, you never really see the world the same way after that. Um, after Rav Moshe Chaim Ritzato's Derech Hashem, it's really an encyclopedia to Jewish thought divided into four sections, systematically un, um, unpacking why we're here, what we're doing, why the world operates in the way it works, it works, it works. you know, everything from dreams to tefillah to anything, the how, how, the how and the why, which is fantastic. So in Rav Aryeh Kaplan's translation and footnoting of the Derech Hashem, he talks about Rav Moshe Chaim Ritzato, and he points out that at the age of 14, he was already recognized as a person who knew by heart all of the Talmud and Medrash. Okay, that means to say the, the, the idea of forgetfulness was not part of the lexicon of this young man, Moshe Chaim Lutzata. And he was, uh, he, he was a person who uh, already at the age of 17 released his first sefer called Derech Limudim, which is fascinating, about how to learn different different. Um, um, enterprises in learning and how we balance those, those, those enterprises. And throughout his 20s, his early 20s, which was the years already around 1730 to 1735, is when he started producing most of his major works, where we see Das Tavunos, which is about the issue of evil, which is a Socratic conversation between the Neshama and the Seichel. And then later on, we see the Derech Hashem evolving through this. And later on in his life, the Mesilas Hashem, at a certain point, even though he grew up in Italy, because of his teachings, he actually, in his late, uh, his late teens, he put together a group, a secretive group um, of people whose, whose main ideology in this world would be to come close to Hashem and to study Torah. And in fact, they had a, they, they, part of the, the agreement in the group was that there would always be one individual who would be studying Torah around the clock. Meaning that in this group, there would be nobody who would ever leave a moment of, uh, of Torah, uns, a moment of the day unstudied by Torah. Um, he was seen as a threat. And because of the, 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 the problems and the contra controversy in Italy, he had to leave to Amsterdam. I believe it was the year around 1735. He, became, he started making money as a jewel cutter, gem cutter. And um, ultimately, his, his godless, his greatness followed him. People started realizing who he was. And in the year 1743, he made Aliyah to the land of Israel. Sorry, 1730. I think it was 1743, he made his way to Israel. And unfortunately, he was short-lived. He lived in the city of Akko and passed away in the year 1746. So he lived there really for just under three years. Um, he was killed by the plague and he died at the age of 39. Wow. But we should be aware, we should be aware of just the sheer amount of sorrow. We hear about Mesir HaShem and Das Tunis and Derech Hashem. We don't hear about Kalach Pisre Chochma. We don't hear about many of the other sorrow that he released. 
amazing amount of, of, of scholarship in, that, in those short 39 years. I just actually want to mention that um, Rabbi Rosenblum, that is uh, Michi's father, put out a, put a sefer on the Rav Moshe Chanotato called Tzato's Ethico-Psychological Interpretation of Judaism, also following Shadal. Really, really a worthwhile le- um, learning. We, 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 there's so much to learn about just in terms of, just in terms of this era and what, what followed in terms of his thought process. Um, I would... Uh, I would tell you to take it one step further. They said that the Vilna Gaon, who lived shortly after this, said that if he'd been around, if he'd been at the age where he could, he would have walked by foot from Vilna to Amsterdam just to study under the, under the, the Ramchal. That, that, just to give you a perspective of this, the, the, the Magid of Mezrich was asked by a Talmud why it was that the Mesila Sishon, that Ramchal passed away so young, and his answer was that the generation was not able to appreciate him sufficiently. That's why he passed away. So, I mean, like, there wasn't enough. I did hear another explanation, and that is, do you know where he's buried? Next to Rabbi Kiva. He's buried in Tiberias and Tiberia, right behind, if you look at the Kever, Rabbi Akiva's Tzion, Rabbi Akiva's tombstone is in the forefront, and backwards, just a little bit to the side, is Rav Moshe Chaim Ritato. Where did Rabbi Akiva come to his wisdom again? He had 39 years which he wasn't able to access Chachma. They say that the Ramchal was a Gilgul of that Neshama. Those first 39 years of Rabbi Akiva, which were not accessed, were given to the Ramchal in a different generation, just to give us a sense of appreciation, just to the magnitude of this Neshama. Okay, so now, now that we have a little bit of introduction, now we can start learning. The Mesilis Hashanah actually was written to, in the later years of his life, and he wrote most of his Kabbalistic writings early on in his life. Which is why, by the way, many people say that if a person really verses themselves in the logic of Mesilas Yisharim, which seems to be, it's a Musar Sefer, it's a self-improvement book, right? Will actually get access to the introductions to Kabbalistic thought itself, even though one doesn't realize that he's doing that to us while we're doing that. So just to give a sense of the, the, the magnitude of this. So let's, let's, let's take a look. What is I broke up his introduction to six sections. We're going to take a look at them as much as possibly we have the time for, and then we'll move on to perhaps another version of the same book, which he also wrote. Okay, so just to get a sense of this, we're using a very basic one, uh, basic version. This is the version that I learned when I started, which is a simple translation of Ashraga Silverstein by Feldheim. And, um, and it's, it's Hebrew and English, and that's what we have. So let's start. Okay, here we go. So he says the following, Omar HaMechaber, this is what the author says, I'm not going to tell you something you don't know. Rather to remind a person, Something which is very, very famous. Very, it, is, it is well publicized to every individual. What I'm going to say to you is something which nobody is going to, going to have any questions or qualms about. But because it is so well known to people, because it's so well known, that's why people forget them. Because they think that it's obvious. Okay, therefore, So he says, therefore, I'm going to tell you, is it's not worth it reading this book one time. You're going to say, old hat, right? I know that. So he says you need to do a little bit of research. You need to work a little bit. 
The actual, the actual benefit of this book is going to be through multiple renditions. It's going to remind a person of their responsibility that they are perhaps hiding from. The word chavasoi is an important word. In fact, in the, you see, this is why it's so difficult. This, chapter 1 is even more scintillating than the, the Agdama. The first start of uh, the person needs to know a person's responsibility in the world. The word chavaso means to say that every human being has a personal responsibility. They've been placed in a specific family, in a specific country, in a specific time frame, and they have a unique calling. That's what he calls chavaso. And a person needs to think about what is their calling. He, or what he's saying over here is there's no way to get to that unless you, you keep um, compounding the ideas that I'm about to talk about and be able to take a perspective to look at these as an example. Oh, I just want to recognize Ramosh. has taught me a number of times. And there are so many Swarim on this. I, I chose the most basic, basic version of this without any footnotes. But you should know. How many, how many do you reckon, Ramosh? 10 or 12, just with commentaries on this Rezashayim. This, this is a very, very well-researched Sefer. We're going to just try to look at it just from the text because we, don't, we only have one period of time. This is his starting point. Now, so, uh, so now you, you may say, well, so Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato, so what, what, you know, like, so how, do, how does wisdom work in general? What, what, what fields of wisdom are there in the world? How open are you to the rest of the world, Rav Moshe Chaim Lutzato? So yeah, let's, let's listen to his, uh, his perspective of wisdom in general. Here's what he says. Vesira, you should know, or you should see, Go out, right, to the Jewish and Italian community that you've been Padua, where, where he was schooled, is in fact a community which is very much engaged in the world already at this, time, at this point in time. There are Jews who are being accepted to the University of Padua, and they are, they are schooling themselves in medicine. This is the beginning of the Jews entering into the professional sphere, yeah, which has never been allowed. He says, go out into the rest of the world, he says. You want to become wise? You place all your energy, you place all your research into a particular realm, into a particular subject. There are those who invest their time into understanding physics, into understanding the world. Others take their, their wisdom into industry, into engineering as an example. Others into, into the arts, as this translated over here. Or perhaps just... Um, and there are others who get involved more in the holy studies. Learning Torah. But even in that, there are separate domains. As an example, some study... All kinds of, you know, pilpul, how do you translate that word? Pilpul means? Uh, it's all the ins and outs of, 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 of halacha. Mehem midrashim, those more on the philosophical side of things. Mehem adinim, those for when it comes to tachlis halacha lamaisa. Ach ma'atim yiyumin amin asher yikbu'u iyun v'limud al yenei shleimus There are very few and far in between who will ever spend time learning about what he calls the perfection of service of God. Love of God. Fear of God. And on the rest of the, the aspects of chasidus. What does he mean when he says the word chasidus? Not what you're thinking. <laughs> not what you're thinking, correct. Right, chasidus has not yet taken off as a movement. 
Right, so what we call Hasidus today is not yet a movement. He is predating this. Okay, this is, this is, a, this is an earlier stage in history. Let's understand, let's understand what's happening over here. What's he referring to? What does the word Hasidus mean? Right, so, so the word Musr even doesn't exist at this point in time. The Musr movement has, has long yet, the Musr movement is going to be built on his book. Okay, so, so what, he, what, what is understood is, is that the way the Gemara uses it is that a tzaddik is a person who does everything they're called upon to do. A chassid is a person who does above what they're called to do, what's called lifnim mishura sadin, above the letter of the law, beyond the, la- the line of the law. That's what, what a chassid is understood. So when he refers to that, that's what he's referring to. What we'll call a pious individual, right? A person who's going beyond what they're calling. By the way, halavai, we should all be tzaddikim. Right, that's, that's the first call. But... As they say, you know, when it, when it comes to, when it comes to Lahavdil, they, they, in karate, you know, when they ask a young man or a young lady to break the board, the wooden board, what, you know what they say? They say, yeah, I'm going to hold the board, aim for the ground. When you aim for the ground, you get through the board. When you aim for Chasidus, you get to Tzirkus. Right? So we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna aim a little bit for Chasidus over here. That's what, that's what he's talking about. Oh, so he's about to say this. Now, now he's about to say exactly that. So now, so now he says, he, remember, let's just take a step backwards. He just said, you want to be a wise person? You, there's many different, uh, uh, we'll call it enterprises, and many different subjects of study. But we know that in, in to, to succeed in any of them, you need to do a lot of studying. So he says, now, but nobody's studying, nobody's studying this. Nobody's studying what we call avoider, service of God. He says, now, but why is that? Why is that nobody's doing this? It's not because people don't think this is important. If you're going to ask any individual, you take a Jew off the street. Of course, I believe in God. I love God. I fear God. I live a life of service of God. Everybody will say, of course I know what we're talking about. Of course. Of course I know about loving God. I say it every morning. Why should I spend more time on it? It's so obvious. This is the foundation of Judaism. So because it's foundational, therefore, I don't need to study it. That's, that's the problem. Therefore, what's the outcome of this? So the societal, social outcome is a terrible, is a terrible situation. So who's left to study these subject matters? Usually people who aren't as sharp-minded. Those people don't have such intellectual capability. All left to study these things. And they, the simpletons, are spending all their time studying Avoida. So you see somebody who's getting involved in Yiras Hashem, and you say, oh, Nebuch, <laughs> just can't get to the next step, right? <laughs> You know, he just he didn't make the cut for the Gemara Shir, right? Okay, so he's going to sit there. told us So now we have a, ba- a terrible outcome from this. What's that? R- that is, he says, because for both sides. Now you're never going to find real Chasidus. Why? The people who are wise enough are not studying it because they think it's obvious. Those who think it's important don't have the capability to study it properly. 
So nobody's doing it. So now you say, so what does it mean to be a chassid? What does it mean to be a pious individual? You sit in the base marriage all day learning, saying, 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 and taking these, these uh, you know, self-deprecating fasts, what's called a sigufim, which means self-hurting. A person, you know, does tefillah in snow for their, for their, for their sins. It's not a very pleasant process. He says, so that's what you say when you think about a person who's, who's going to come in close to Hashem. That isn't what the Judaism is supposed to be. Judaism is predominantly an intellectual enterprise as well as it is an experiential. But it can't simply be an empty cage of, of a, a container of, of a person doing all these things. So therefore, this, this, is, this is the woes that he's talking about in society. And he's, he's pretty much accurate. Up till now, there are very few svarim which actually focus on this. There is the Chavos Levavos, there's a few specific svarim, but nobody up till now has done this. Now, what's interesting is, is that he's going to take the incredible combination of intellect and emotion and fuse the two together to be able to create this edifice. And most of these other svarim actually have this, uh, a, similar, a similar background. Uh, background. His basic... Really what was that? Hasidim, as we know it, the Hasidic movement that started with the Baal Shem. Isn't that what he wanted to do? He wanted to... to a certain degree. To a certain degree. It's, it's hard. You know, it's interesting. Although it's true. Now, by the way, he lived in a very critical time in Jewish history, the 1740s. Remember, if we, we started back over here, the Orachim was moving to Israel at this particular time. 1740 is Friday, right? Remember? In terms of the, the 6,000 years of the, of, the, of, the, of the world, the year 5,000 5, and plus 500 years. Um, fifth, uh, f- um, is, is the year 1740, which is, means to say Friday morning, essentially, which is why you see most of the Kabbalistic leaders in the world moving to Israel around the year 1740, which is why the Ramchal was moving around this time. The Baal Shem Tov was clearly aware of this as this is happening. The Vilna Gaon moves over later on at the end of the first hour. He tries to get out 1781. Right? There's, there's this movement towards Israel. He's very clearly aware of this. At the same time, it's interesting that Mesut Hashem has been predominantly, and again, it's not, not, to exclu- not exhaustively, but has been predominantly the basis of the Muslim movement later on in the world of the Misnagdim, even though it's true that some people say he's a proto chassidus we'll call it, in a, in a certain sense. But yes, he was one of the respected lights of the generation. Would he have uh, prescribed the chassidus as we have it? Not clear, because many, many, much of the chassidus was dealing with the, the farm folk as well, the people who didn't have access to intellectual propriety, and he himself is very much built on the intellectual stability of, this, of it as well, not just a few leaders who have that opportunity. So it's, it's hard to know. It's hard, it's hard, it's hard to know, you know what would have played, played out. But nonetheless... His contributions certainly are a step towards proliferating sort of the number of the Kabbalistic ideas, which Hasidus certainly did later on. But you'll see that the systemization of his works are very different to Hasidus. Systemization was very much a very big part. We'll see a few examples of it in just a second. Um, here he goes. So yeah, let, let's dive a little bit more. And again, we're a little short on time, so I want to just maybe perhaps focus on some of the major points. What is the real Hasidus? It's not what we're thinking. He says, look, you know what? It's not something which is automatically in the forefront of our minds. Even though the beginnings of an aspiration towards chasidus, towards coming close to Hashem, this piousness is in the heart. What's going to happen is if you don't involve yourself, you don't spend time on it, you're not going to really recognize them and develop them. 
Therefore, you're going to overpass them, you're going to pass them over and not notice them or not feel them. It doesn't mean to say that because they are innate, therefore you don't need to work. It's a very important point. Meaning he's just finished up telling you, I'm going to tell you obvious things, right? That's how the, the introduction starts. But now he's saying that although it's true that it's really inter internal, that it's over there, there's a certain level of altruism which is in the human being. If you don't work on it, it's never going to develop itself. It'll never get there. It says people, it, it's, it's, it's not like regular, natural facilities of the human body. Like wake, going to sleep and waking up. Being hungry and being, and being satiated. Hashem put into us entire soul what we call reptilian function. A certain basic, a basic draw to things we need. He says that is not true. Of this. We need to spend time actually molding ourselves and extracting those ideas. And therefore, there's no end to those roadblocks which will stop us from developing these ideas. How can you not spend time investing time to do to try to cultivate them? How's it ever going to going to grow in your soul if you're not going to spend time with it? This is such an important point. If you think about the, the perhaps the metaphor of every person is born as sort of as a lump of clay. Some are bigger lumps of clay, some are less, some are finer clay, some are less fine clay. Some have different elements and different colors in them. But everybody's lump of clay requires development and it requires shaping. So a person can come to the end of their life and they can have a whole bunch of accolades. They can have all kinds of, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll call it experiences. They can have all kinds of investments. They can have all kinds of extras that come to the end. And in the end of the day, everything which the person got in this world, all those we'll call it physical, you know, accoutrements, are taken away at the end of the day. And they say, so what do you do with your lump of clay exactly? And so if this lump of clay looks a lot fancier and has a lot of, you know, bells and whistles on it, those bells and whistles are taken off. They say, what do you do with the lump of clay? Well, I had inside of me all this potential, you say. And they say, yes, but what do you do with it? Where's the fine glass? Where's the fine pot? Where's the, whatever it is, where's the tray? I'm not going to say that, you know, the ashtray, because that's the first thing they always teach us in, in clay pottery, right? The ashtray, right? Not, not, but where, what do you do with it? What do you do with that? What do you do with all that potential? Yes, you had it in you, but if you don't develop it, it's not, it's, it, has, it has become nothing. Remember once someone said a very fascinating insight, and that is, is, you know, when you speak to people in general, I'm talking to myself here, when you speak to people in general and you say, you know, when it comes to like, you know, spiritual matters, you know, self-improvement, you know, are you going to, uh, so are you going to do something like this year? This is going to be the year, right? We're all going to get better. You say, how is it you're going to improve? So pe people will often say, you know, I'm going to try, I'm going to try. Hashem will help, and we'll, we'll, we'll get there somehow, right? I, I have a lot of bitachon in Hashem. That I'm, that I'm gonna, then when you say to them, well, what about your portfolio? I'm saying like your, your, your investment portfolio. So why is that you're checking that every day? Well, you know, I've got to, be, I've got to make sure. You know, I'm saying I, I have to be watching the markets because there's certain investments which are, are, are time sensitive. I don't have a lot of time. I can't manage that amount of risk. So I have, to be, I have to make sure that I'm speaking to my financial advisor and I'm making sure that everything's under control because things may be shifted as necessary. 
So I heard somebody saw once say, a Rebbe of mine, Rebbe Chris, said it's actually usually the other way around. When it comes to the financial portfolio, a person's supposed to say, I'll have trust. <laughs> we, have a, we have some time. God willing, it should all work out. The market trend is generally upwards. We're going to track, track the index. Hopefully, hopefully everything will work out. Right? That's the way a person should have that, that kind of bitachon. When it comes to one's spiritual portfolio, that's not the attitude one should have. One doesn't say, I'm going to trust in God. One should say, I need to spend a lot of time working on this because I don't know if, these, if this investment is going to come to fruition if I don't work on it. That's, it's the opposite way around. That's what the Mr. Hashem is saying. It requires a little bit of time with oneself. In fact, and I want to just point this out, somebody came to me just yesterday, and they, and they asked me, you know, I've just been, I had one time to learn a week. Watch, I've just finished a particular safer. What should I be learning? And it reminded me of a, fa- a fantastic question. Somebody came over to Rabbi Shroh Salanter and said, I only have 10 minutes a day. What should I learn? Gomorrah, Halacha, Medrash, Parsha, Musa, what should I do? So he says, if you learn 10 minutes of Musa, you'll realize you had more than 10 minutes a day. <laughs> <laughs> that's, what, that's exactly what, 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 what the Mr. Nassim is saying, is we need time. You don't just become great, you have to force that out. And by the way, it's interesting, a lot of times in life, we all, we all know this, life circumstances force us to get there. Right? A lot of times we read the, meet those roadblocks which force us to change ourselves, and hopefully in a good way. But if this person is not working on themselves, they may simply become a frustrated person as they meet those, as opposed to being able to know how to navigate those situations. And that's what that's what the Mr. Shrim is saying is necessary over here. And um, we're going to we're going to um, we're going to skip to sort the end of this paragraph now. Um, it's, it goes in a similar idea. He says, just to take a look on the top of the next page, in page eight, he says, I think it's really just a very fascinating line. About line eight on page eight, he says. Humasha Omar by the period, Shlomo Shlomo says him Tavakshano Kakesavat Moinim Tachapseno Oz Tovinirasa Shem. If you search it out like silver, if you look at if you if you if you try to find it like jewels, then or like hidden things, then you'll know understand Yirasa Shem. He says, Eno Omer Oz Tovin Philosophia, Oz Tovin Tuchuna, Oz Tovin Rufua, Oz Tovin Dinim, Oz Tovin Halachos. It's not that you're gonna be an expert in whatever field of study, if you, if you work it out. Rather, he says, the proof is, Imagine that you were coming to a storehouse and you knew that in this hay there was a, a large diamond, right? What would you do? You'd spend a lot of time searching around. Well, let's turn it inwards. You know that somewhere in your soul, you know that somewhere in your personality there's a diamond. There's something that you can really, you, you have a nexus of experience, of personality, of, of perspective on life where you could really change yourself and the world. And it's <coughs> hidden there. It's in that haystack. Wouldn't you spend time looking through that, maybe dedicating a little bit of time today? You can't look at the, through the whole haystack, right, or every day, but you know it's there. So wouldn't you spend a little bit of time searching it out like silver, searching it out like a gem? Because you know it's there, but if you don't do it, it's just, you can't, you, you're just sort of hand in the iron ore at the end of the day. The clay is the, clay is the same. He says another example. Another example of this. He says, He says, You're going to say no. You know what? I've got tests. I've got to study for this uh, for this board. I've got to study for uh, for for this particular new 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 part of my career. This new accolade. You got time for that? You don't have time for this. Why don't you spend time thinking about what your priorities are? I heard, actually I was speaking to Rahane on the way home from Shul yesterday, and he said he has a pigeon aben of his great-grandson today. And it's a remarkable thing. Ben, you were there yesterday? So, I'm not, uh, no, no, no judgment. <laughs> so he said a beautiful thing. He says that at... Uh, at, uh, at uh, 
at the Pidgin Aben, we ask a very interesting question, a question we never ask in any other, any other mitzvah. And that we say is to, to a parent, my boy's tfei, what do you want most? And it's not to be a trade-off, you know, to take the kid or the five, the five shekels, right? Like, which, which sane parent? They, don't even, they, haven't, they haven't even had sleepless nights properly yet, right? They haven't, they haven't started paying tuition yet. So, so what, the question is, my boy's tfei, what do you want from life? What do you want from life? When do we sit down and ask ourselves that question? What do you want from life? That's, that, that's what he says. Is, let's find the time to ask that question. If you now cross the Omer, he quotes Eov. Hein Yiras Hashem, hi chokhmo. Yiras Hashem is the wisdom. V'omer Rabbo Seinu, hein echos. Shekein b'loshon yovon yikore la'achas hein. The word echos means, um, is, is, uh, is uh, in Greek, means, shekein b'loshon yovon yikore la'achas hein. There is only one wisdom, and that is Yira. There's one wisdom. Any wisdom, any field, as we know, as we respect any other field, requires, requires um, re- research. And it's fascinating. This is not something we, we, we respect in the world. You know, we see people who may spend the entire day working on themselves, but we say, well, what degree do you have? Do you have, a, do you have an advanced degree? You know, have, have, you, have, you, have you had promotions? What's your status in society? And we measure things by who you are is what you have achieved or what your job position is. When ultimately the greatest achievement, what's the Yira Sashem? There's only one Chachma, he says, which is ultimately they work on ourselves. Ah, he says, Ha-MSE, the truth is, to really understand them, So now he says, now, now he's going to do for us what, what uh, he's going to, to interpret for us one of the, the fascinating things that he always does, and that is, is he's going to look at things systematically. So he's not going to make up, he's going to create a framework for us, which is going to allow us to study it. So as an example, he says, I'm not going to suck this out of my thumb, I'm going to use this from the Torah. The Torah says, if you want to find out where in the Torah does it say, what are you supposed to be doing with your life? Like, tachlis, bottom, bottom line, what, is, what are we supposed to come out of this life with? The Torah talks about this. In fact, we just read it. The Torah, it says, Umi, shemis bonein, bom yire. It's not about those pe- the, what the, the, chasinim, the people who try to be pious are, are involved with. It requires a lot of research. In Dvorim Perigud it says, Now Israel, one week, one day ago. What does Hashem really want from you? Only all, now this is a big all, the capital A, to fear Hashem to go in His ways. To love Him. To serve Him with your whole heart and your soul. To keep His commandments and statutes. Yeah, we have it. Hashem is pretty, pretty, um, pretty upfront about it, about it to us. These are the things He wants. What are they? Five things. Those are the five things. That's what he wants from us. So now what he does is he goes on to say, <laughs> it's not exactly a small ingredient list, but nonetheless, this is, this, is, this is what Hashem wants from us. So he goes on, we don't have the sufficient time right now, but he goes on to explain what is Yira. As an example, do the first one. That means to say fearing, not fearing punishment. We're going to get to that later on in the, in the, in the, when he gets on to the chapters. It doesn't mean to say that I'm, I'm, I'm scared that every time I do a, do a misdemeanor, I'm going to be struck down by lightning and have my olamawa taken away from me. But it's that I, don't, I wouldn't want to offend the Almighty. How could I act in a way which is not becoming of a person who carries the ambassadorship of a soul? 
Shiro Milfonov Komoshiro Milfne Melakod of Nura, the Vosh Migdulosoi, and a person is embarrassed from the greatness of the king. I'll call to Noah Shubol, it's no Nisno Ea. When a person is coming in front of the king, you're representing. How could you act otherwise? That's, that's an example of Yira. He goes on to explain all the other four steps over here. But for the sake of time, he's, I would like to just get to the way he introduces the Sefer as a whole. So he's going to introduce to us the 10-step program. Long before Alcoholics Anonymous arrived at their program, he arrived at the program based on the Gomorrah, and this is the program of self-improvement. Here we go. It's a 10-step program. It's based on a very basic Gomorrah of Avodah The Gomorrah says the following. Taking a look on page 12, line 11, new paragraph. He says, Every level of these ideas I've just explained to you require a lot of explanation. So how are you going to get there? I saw that our, our sages of blessed memory, there is actually, this is not something you can jump through. You can't skip stages over here. It's necessary to learn this systematically. It's brought many times in, in, our, in our Talmud. This is what, this is, what is said. Rabbi Pinchas ben Yair would say the following. Torah, if you learn Torah, it comes to being cautious. Zahirus, caution, is comes to alacrity. By the way, do you notice those are opposites of each other? One is withholding and one is investing. They're in terms of the flow of energy. Zahiros is surmera, withholding energy. Zerizos is outpouring of energy. Right? Those are obviously two prerequisites. Surmera always, uh, always predates the Asetov. That's the first two stages. Be careful what we're doing. Be invested in what we're supposed to be doing. Zerizos, alacrity, mevioli dega nikios. It involves a person in cleanliness. This means to say purifi purification. This is a very long chapter. Right, Dr. Abramson has been giving shir in, in our shul at 8 o'clock on a Shabbos morning for a number of months now. Nikios is one of the essential points. In fact, right, Dr. Abramson is in, the fact, in the middle of authoring a book, God willing. She'll reflect us in good, in good time. Stay tuned, um, God willing. Nikios Mavili de Perishus. A person who is, uh, who is uh, working on cleanliness or cleanliness of the spirit comes to Perishus separation. Perishus separation Mavili de Tahara comes to purity. Tahara Mavili de Chasidus. Purity brings the person to pious or beyond the letter of the law. Chasidus mevilei anova, that leads to anova to humility. Anova mevilei de yiraschet, humility leads a person to fear of sin. Yiraschet mevilei de kedusha, and fear of sin brings a person to holiness. Kedusha mevilei de ruach hakodesh, brings a person to the divine spirit. Ruach hakodesh mevilei de mitzchias ameisim, and ultimately that brings a person to the resurrection of the dead. Right, for advanced, for advanced levels. I remember I was actually... Once in YU, there used to be a few Chabad, Chabad uh, Talmidim used to come out from Crown Hats to, to the YU base Medrash on a Thursday night. And they'd go around the base Medrash at 10 o'clock and asking if anybody wants to learn Chasidus. You know, and uh, they're doing a little Kiruv in, you know, in the YU base Medrash. And, um, and so I remember one of my friends once said, once, once said, uh, once said to him, he says, can I, can, I, can I offer you the opportunity to learn Chasidus? He says, I'm, he says, I'm sorry, I'm still working on Zahiros. <laughs> <laughs> It's, it's a 10-step it's program, folks, right? We have to start at the beginning, right? So this, this is what Rabbi Pinchas says. It is fascinating that in all of the works, in all of the works, almost without exception of the Ramchal, when the Ramchal looks at something, he systemizes it. Everything fits into place. Some people say that it was because he was a student of a person by the name of Rabbi Yitzhak Lamporti. Rabbi Yitzhak Lamporti wrote a book called, anybody familiar? The Pachad Yitzhak, before Rabbi Futner, Took that took the name. 
This is in the 1700s, actually the ladies, 1600s. The, the Pachad Yitzhak. It is a 20-volume encyclopedia of Jewish thought. Okay, so just to put things in perspective. Everything was systemized. That's why when you look in Derech Hashem, it's not when you look, when you look at the Ramchal's Derech Hashem, it's not simply that there's chapters, there's four sections, there are chapters, and there are subsections. So you know, there are three numbers attached to every single paragraph. You know exactly where you are. When you come to Mr. Shoshim, it isn't any idea that he feels like he wants to tell you. There's a stage, the process. I need to get to stage A, to stage B, to stage C, all the way through. That's how, I, that's how I'm a, 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 able to learn. Similarly, when it comes to Derech Limudim, all the different swarm are all in a stage, uh, in, 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 in sequential order. Um, it, it's, it's a pity because, we, you know, this is, this is really just the beginning. We actually, the book, the, the, actually getting into the Sefer itself is so much more, so much more. It's just to whet the appetite, but I do want to close with the following. And that is that this book was actually written in two versions. Only recently did we actually have access to the other version of Mitzvah Sesharim, which is written as called Sefer Havikuach. The word, the word vikuach sometimes means an argument, but actually it is in a dialogue. A number of his svarim he wrote in what's called the Socratic method, which is a conversation between two entities. And I want to just, just to, to whet the appetites, just to, 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 to see how he reframes these ideas in that this is the, this is the other version of it. You turn the page now, which is, uh, to, um, you're going to see a very fascinating, this is an Hebrew-only version, where there's a white page on the right, on the left-hand side is where the book starts, Listen to the way he frames this conversation, just to, to get excited about this. He says the following, Ish It was a wise person, who gave him a wise and understanding spirit. He was a curious soul. Everything that he came across, he, he, he tried to study. He couldn't sleep. If there was something he wanted to know, long before Google, he would research it. He wanted to know wisdom. Nothing stopped him. Whether it be in the study of Torah, whether it be in the natural sciences, in the way that the world worked in its, in its theory and in its practice. I want to understand all of its implications and applications. He wanted to know all the understandings and haskala before the word haskala was co-opted later on in the century. Everything, God's, God's reach and wisdom to every aspect of this world. He would notice that there were a group of people who lived on the earth and they're, they're, what, what, what you know, got their fantasy was they were chassidus, they were pious individuals. He says, They'd spend a lot of time in shul saying Tehillim. They'd spend a lot of time in shul davening. We can sort of hear the echoes now of the original introduction, right? He'd get very upset when he saw these people. And what would he say? These, I'm a curious individual. I'm intellectually curious. I want to find out. What are these people doing? They're not advancing. 
They're not advancing. They're simply treading water in their religious service, right? They're simply saying the same things over. They're not getting anywhere. They're not finding out anything. They don't have any frontiers or horizons to cross. What they're doing is they've already done. There's nothing new. I, on the other hand, am never the same person I was last week because I'm always finding out more. These, these questions I have don't allow me to even sleep. I say, and I can't leave any a stone unturned if I can't get to that. He goes on. He goes on to describe it, to, to describe his 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 his, uh, his desire to know. Then in the next paragraph he says, It happened to be one day, an individual from this kata chasidim, from the pious individuals, came over to him. They went to the same day school. They grew up in the same neighborhood. They used to share bikes on the way to the park every day, right? So this individual was, was his friend. This individual went on a different life path and he joined the Kata Hasidim, the, the group of, of pious people. He hasn't seen him for many years. I'm so happy to see you, my friend. We share so many shared experiences. By the way, you can always see the echoes of the language of Tanakh that he frames his conversation in. And they, they see each other from Pasha's Yisrael. They, they bow to each other, they go, they, they go home, they start chatting. Look, we're friends, we trust each other, we have, we, we have, a, we have a background. Would you, would you humor me? Just to have a conversation, just two or three hours. <laughs> he has a cup of coffee. So let, let, can, we, can we just have a, a conversation? We're not going to do it all. Um, but nonetheless, this is, he, he wants to understand what's going on with you. Why? You, I know who you are. Why, why are you getting involved in this? This is the question. And the Sefer is now framed as a conversation between the Chacham and the Chassid. This is the conversation. Now, by the way, a lot of times in the Socratic method, the Socratic method breaks down later on. When you get to the real issues, it's going to really turn into a monologue. It's not going to be a dialogue. But the beginning is fascinating in terms of understanding this conversation. So let's start talking about things. I want to just focus on one aspect of the conversation. The Chassid starts questioning him. So here's what happens. I want to just see if we can get this. Um, we're going to skip to the, really the last, last page that we have together. Um, and uh, here's, here, here's the, the Chacham describes how he has systems, and he investigates in this, and he investigates that, and he has many different things that he, that he learns and how he learns it. And he explains whether it be Chachma Chitzonius, whether it be in, uh, natural sciences, or whether it be in this world. And the very bottom of page Ches, he says, that after this whole explanation, the very second last paragraph is the words of the Chacham. He says, Elohim klal anosim asher elem akifim echochma sayedios asher yamul adam nimtsoi lekabeitz al yad mehem kol asher yuchal v'kol amar marbe harez meshubach. This is everything I've been studying, and the more the merrier. So the Chazid turns to him and he says, Amar Chazid, his friend says, Achim, my brother, your data harbe. I can see. I'm really impressed. You really have studied a lot. You really know a lot. Achmashet zorich l'shlemus atzmocha hayadata. Have you thought about your own self perfection? Have you ever had a close conversation with God? Have you ever, have you ever thought about that dimension of your life? This is a very basic question. The Chacham says, 
No, that's practical. I have a checklist every day. I have a certain amount of mitzvahs. I daven, I put on tefillin. I do this mitzvah, I don't do that avera. That's what I do. Mitzvah, 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 every mitzvah as it comes, it's time. Kishi yodati ilchos hashas, the sipreya hapoiskim, hinei yodati mashim storech leshlemus lemashe shayach ben ilu ben koni. How do I serve Hashem? Is I read halacha, and halacha tells me what to do and what not to do, and that's the way I serve Hashem. Makes a lot of sense. It's very tangible. It's studyable. I can get to the depth and, and, the, and the breadth of it. So the Chassid says, Emes Adavar, you, you're, you're correct, because Yodata calls that, that you know all of this. That's true. Your, all your actions seem to be in line. What about, what about inside the heart? Have you, have you studied that part of it? Meaning to say, now forget the tefillin for a second. Forget the shachris. What, what, what about, what about your, your relationship with Hashem? What you're supposed to be feeling? Have you, have you done any, any study on that? <laughs> First simon in Shulchan Aruch. All your actions should be L'Shem Shemayim. I got that covered. It's in Shulchan Aruch after all, right? The Chassid says, In Cain, Shneinu maskimim maldavar echad. Shein dabem hamasa liyos oved elokim. Ach shetzorek kavanos alevi yosh ramach shabos. So therefore we agree on the same thing, says the Chassid. That it's not enough just to act, but you need to also feel and experience in the right way. So now let's carry on this conversation. Do you see what's happening over here? So it's developing the same ideology, but now through a conversation. And in a certain sense, our foil for, for this idea of investigating over here is simple. We'll call it um, exhaustive wisdom, where a person is fully engaged in simply the quantifiable checklists of Judaism, the Maasem, where we agree, of course, that there is a naturally the enterprise of the soul, but how we do that? Why we do that, what we do with that, none of those things have necessarily been investigated. And he continues his conversation. This, of course, is simply the beginning of the conversation. Because we now simply got to the edge of the precipice, we're looking down, and now we're ready to take, to take the dive into this incredible world of the Ramchal. This is the beginning of his introduction. And, um, and I, would, I would really, if anybody has the opportunity, I can make recommendations of specific different Pirushim on it to take it as an opportunity for oneself. If one takes, again, five minutes a day to, to study this and not to study it to finish it, to study it to meditate upon it. For the rest of the day, to actually converse with other people about this. You know, what I, you know what I thought about today? You know what I heard about today? When a person does this, the person is starting to engage in the conversation of their relationship with the Ribbon Shalom, and hopefully this will be an edel which moves in that direction. Again, this is just simply the beginning, and if anybody is interested, I can make recommendations once we finish in Zerah Yisrael, either Surah of the Ramchal, which will really change the way one sees and appreciates the, bo- the, the bones, not just the bones, but the meat of one's Judaism. I didn't have to take a chance to finish personally, but to come on and doba on Tzion's engagement. Tzion actually joins us here also as well, and this is the first year opportunity of, of wishing that Amitz Hashem. It should be with great Hatzlacha and Nachas, God willing. Amen. 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 Amen.